Hey everyone, this is Blake, host of the That You May Know Him podcast, and welcome back to Two for Ten, the show where we study the Bible one book at a time, one verse at a time. On the last episode of Two for Ten, we jumped into Revelation chapter 2, and there in the first few verses, we saw Jesus commend the church at Ephesus for two very important reasons. On today's episode, we're going to see Jesus rebuke the church at Ephesus for two very important reasons. Call it a warning, call it a rebuke, call it whatever you want. Why do you want to tune in to today's episode? Because if Jesus rebuked a local church for very specific reasons, you would probably want to know what those reasons are, right? So you can avoid making the same mistakes. That's what's coming up today on 2 for 10. So let's get it going. Hey guys, real quick before we jump into the book of Revelation, just a friendly reminder, if you're not yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, don't forget to do that by clicking on the link just to the bottom right of this screen. Also, if you're watching us on YouTube and you're not subscribed to our podcast, you are missing out. We do a lot of crossover. A lot of the stuff on our podcast is also available on YouTube, but not all of it. In fact, most of our long form Things are not on YouTube. They're only on our podcast. So head to our website, thatyoumayknowhim.com. There you'll find links to every major podcasting app. And you can subscribe to our podcast or just listen to it right on the website. All right, let's get in to the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. All right, guys, Revelation, chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 is the passage that we're looking at today. Remember, in Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, Jesus took a moment to commend a local church, the church at Ephesus, for the good job that they had been doing in certain areas of their life, right? Their patience, their hard work, their rejection of all things evil, including evil deeds and evil people, and their ability to discern truth from air. Very, very important things to Jesus. Now he's getting ready to sort of rebuke them for some of the areas of their life that they're not doing the best job at. Let's look at the text. Revelation chapter two, verses four and five. They go like this. And just so you're aware, Jesus is never afraid of having difficult conversations. He does it all the time. Here we go. Revelation chapter two, verses four and five go like this. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. That was Revelation chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. What is Jesus saying to the church at Ephesus? Well, two things mainly. The first thing, and it's very important, is that they have abandoned the love they had at first. 
What does this mean exactly? Many Christians have had the experience when they first come to faith in the Lord, when they first come to know the Lord, be born again, receive the Holy Spirit, they've had the experience of it being sort of like a honeymoon at the very beginning of their their new life, their new life in Christ. And this honeymoon period lasts for a little while, and it's it's actually like being on a honeymoon where you're just so smitten, so passionate with love for Jesus that it sort of transcends everything else going on in life. Not just your love for Jesus, but you realize it's his love for you. Hopefully that's the reason you got saved because you realize, man, Jesus shed his blood for me. He loves me. That's a really, really great thing. Well, sadly, while many Christians have had that honeymoon type experience, and I'll be honest with you, my own story is a little different because I grew up in faith and in the Lord. And I, from, from a young age, I felt like I knew the Lord. It was sort of later on in life when I came to know the Lord in a deeper way where I had sort of like a honeymoon experience, but probably a little different. Well, anyway, many people have this experience. And then sadly, many people also have the experience of coming home from the honeymoon, right? The honeymoon's over and now it's on with life as usual. And what many people realize after the honeymoon ends is that, man, living the Christian life is actually not easy. It's actually kind of challenging at times. It can be really, really difficult. Jesus said that the road is narrow, which leads to life, that it's sort of condensed and it's full of pressure. It's not an easy road to take. Well, what Jesus says to the church at Ephesus is, you have abandoned the love that you had at first. What does this mean exactly? Well, look, many people teach and believe that the Christian life begins and ends in one single moment. Oftentimes these days I see commercials on TV and don't get me wrong. I am thankful for these commercials where the name of Jesus is lifted up and people are being invited to accept him as their Lord. But I also have to give a little bit of a warning that if those commercials give you the impression that becoming a Christian, that being a Christian sort of begins and ends in one moment where you you offer your life to Jesus, you invite him into your heart, that's sort of it, done deal, Christian here and now, once and for all, my friends, that is not the story that the Bible tells, and it's not the picture that the Bible paints. Let me put it very, very simply. Jesus does a great job of holding on to those who belong to him. But the Bible is clear that those who belong to Jesus also have the responsibility of holding on to him. It's not one or the other. It's not either or. It's not Calvinism versus Arminianism. It's both. Jesus holds on to us and we have to hold on to him. The grace of God has been shed, has been poured out for all people. And those who learn to grab hold of it and cooperate with it are those who receive the benefits of it. This is the picture that the Bible paints. And it's very simple. Jesus tells the Ephesians that they've abandoned the love they had at first because they have, because they've let that spark, that flame, that initial passionate love for Jesus that they had early on sort of die out. 
look, for those of you that are married, for those of you that have been married for a while, it's it's no different than in a marriage. If you don't give focus and attention and care to your marriage, not just to your marriage, but to your mate, that's really who you're giving it to, it's going to be really hard to maintain a joyful, passionate love for one another. Now, look, we are called to stay faithful in our marriages as Christians, no matter what, no matter what happens, no matter how bad things get, we're called to remain faithful. But boy, I got to tell you something, someone who's happily married for 10 years to the love of my life, and I've never met anyone who I prefer more than her, (laughs) it takes work, it takes focus, and it takes a concerted effort to keep your love alive, to keep the flame afire, to keep that passion and joy for one, toward and for one another really going and at the center of things. It's no different in our walk with Jesus. He continues to pursue us, but we also have to continue to pursue him. If we do that, he promises to hold on to us and the love between us will only grow brighter and brighter, better and better, hotter and hotter. It's to use the flame analogy, it's a beautiful thing. But to think that the Christian life begins and ends just simply in one moment and nothing else matters after that is foolishness. And it's not being faithful to scripture. My friends, Jesus didn't just come to give us eternal life, although he did come to give us eternal life. He came to give us life here and now. It's not a guarantee that every moment of life is just going to be peachy and wonderful and easy. That's not the way the world works. But if you maintain a passionate love and zeal for Jesus Christ by continuing to pursue him as he pursues you, by continuing to respond to him, my friends, that relationship and that love that you have with Jesus will transcend all the hardship and all the difficulty that this life often entails. And you will actually fulfill the very purpose, the very reason that God put you on this earth. You will be doing the job that you are here to do if you maintain your love for Jesus Christ. That's where it all starts. That's where it starts. And that's why Jesus mentions this first in his rebuke. Hey, you have not maintained your love. In fact, you've abandoned the love you had at first. You got to get a hold of it again is essentially what he goes on to say. Let's finish this passage, these couple of verses, Revelation 2, 4, and 5. You've abandoned the love you have at first. Now verse 5. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Look, Jesus has a remedy for the church at Ephesus, this church that has abandoned the love they have at first. He says, first thing that they need to do, remember, remember. The human mind is a beautiful thing. God created it and God loves it when it's renewed. God gave you a memory for a reason. We don't only remember bad things, things that, you know, lessons that we've learned in the past to help us not make the same mistakes twice. We also remember good things. And when we look back on our on our initial love for Jesus, that white hot zealous love, it's supposed to fuel something in us. It's supposed to light a fire in us, so to speak, 
to get us to continue to pursue the Lord with all of our hearts. Jesus says to the church at Ephesus, here's a remedy for you. Remember the love you have at first. Remember from where you have fallen. If you remember that love you had at first, you'll remember and you'll recognize how far you've fallen. What do you do from there? Repent. Repent and do the works you did at first. I can only imagine what works Jesus is specifically mentioning or specifically referring to. But I would venture to say that the works that he's referring to when he says, after you've lost your love, remember from where you've fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. I can imagine it must be those works that they were doing to maintain their love that maybe they let sort of slip away as time went on. So Jesus has a, has a remedy. And if you're ever at a point in your Christian life where you feel like the passion, the love, the zeal just isn't there, this is a remedy for you too. Remember, remember what it was like when you first came to faith in Jesus. Repent. Re- to repent is to turn back to God, to literally change directions and become God word. Many Christians make the mistake of thinking repentance is only something that happens once in the Christian life. Eh, Not true. There's definitely an initial repentance that is required for salvation. There is, there is, but repentance is something that we're supposed to always be doing. Repentance is more like a posture. It's more like an attitude toward God. It's an ongoing activity than it is just something we do once. It's something we're always supposed to be doing. And we're supposed to be living with a repentant heart and a repentant attitude toward God. So he says, remember, repent and do the works you did at first. What did you do when you first fell in love with Jesus? Were you inspired to wake up and read your Bible every day? Were you inspired to pray all the time? Well, look, part of the reason you might not be inspired anymore is because you let that slip. And look, we're not saying that in order to have a good relationship with Jesus, you have to like read the Bible every day. No one's saying that. But boy, I tell you what, if you think rightly about the way you live your life and how your actions are supposed to produce fruit in your life, reading the Bible will not be an obligation. It will be something you are delighted to do. Spending time with the Lord, sitting in prayer will not be an obligation. It'll be something that you will be delighted to do as the Spirit inspires you and as you seek to live with a repentant heart and a heart that wants to recapture that fire, that passionate love for Jesus Christ. The last thing he says, and this is something that we can't skip, he says, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So look, guys, we know that the Christian life is a life that is about cooperation. God is working in and through us, and we are required to respond and to act and to work, well, in cooperation with the Holy Spirit and with God's grace. It's not one or two the other. But Jesus says something. The reason that this is so important to stress is because many people fall into legalism and what they end up doing is burning themselves out saying, I'm trying to live the Christian life and it now I never get anywhere. It never gets any better. I keep making the same mistakes over and over again. Look, that's a whole nother story. 
people actually try to weigh how they're doing uh, instead of weighing the motive and looking at how God is transforming and redeeming their hearts every day. That's not what we're talking about. The point, though, is very, very simple. God works with and through us, and we respond to that working. Jesus tells the church at Ephesus to repent and do the works you did at first, because if not, he says he's going to come and remove their lampstand from its place. Now, he's talking to a church now, and we know that the lampstand represents the church. The lampstand is like the heavenly seal of approval that this is a church. Well, Jesus is actually saying in this passage, if you don't start repenting, start doing the works you did at first, if you don't recapture this love you had for me, it's going to lead to worse and worse things. And pretty soon you will no longer be a church. This certified sealed church in heaven ain't going to be a church anymore. You might still think you're a church, but not in my view and not according to heaven's record. So look, Jesus isn't talking about people losing their individual personal salvation in this passage, but he is saying, listen, church, if you're not serious about what you're doing, you're running a serious risk. You might not be a church for much longer. And if that's the case, then we got a whole bunch of people running around like sheep without a shepherd, like chickens with their heads cut off, thinking that they're a part of a church and they're not at all. That's not a situation you want to be in. So, My friends, this passage, while it's stark and while it's direct, it should give you great hope. When you, if you fall into a season in life where it feels like you don't have that initial, that same zealous love for Jesus that you had at first, Jesus offers you a remedy. His hands are are out. They're extended toward you. He says first, remember, remember the love you had it for. Remember from where you've fallen. Remember that love you had at first. Repent and pick up and start doing those things that you used to do. And that fire will be rekindled. It'll be relit. And you'd much rather have that fire rekindled than run the risk of having a lampstand revoked. Wouldn't you? I know I sure, I know I sure would. My friends, that is all the time we have for today. This has been Two for 10, part 14, and that was Revelation chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. On the next episode, which is next week, we're going to finish up verses 6 and 7. We're going to finish up the letter to the Ephesians. Until then, stay blessed, live loved. I'm Blake Barbera signing off, and I'll see you next time on That You May Know Him. Thank you.